Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm speaking with Kristen Hadid. Kristen graduated from the University of Florida in 2010 when she was a junior in college and she founded a company by mistake. What started as a way to make enough money just to buy a pair of jeans she wanted quickly turned into something way bigger and Kristen had absolutely no idea that this little side project would turn into a huge career. And at 21, she turned down a six-figure job in finance to continue growing her company, which now has, I think, two locations, more than 500 employees at some times of the year. And she's basically, she's really also well-known for her TEDx talk entitled How to Retire by 20, which has more than 1.7 million views. And she recently landed a book deal. She's, you're doing all sorts. You've got like a, a, like a, a tech company now, and you talk all around the place. So talking about, you know, to companies, to colleges, all about, you know, spreading her message about uh, leadership and how to engage millennials. So Kristen, thank you so much for being here. This is really, really exciting. Thank you for having me. Now you were, I could mention it a little bit at the beginning, but um, you were you were cleaning some houses just to earn a bit of extra money. Uh, I think you, you got recruited, you had a couple of friends helping you out. And then you had the confidence, I think this, I, I love this, to approach one of the largest property management groups in the area and managed to get a contract to clean thousands of apartments. So your little team of four people suddenly grew to 60 in less than a month. This is crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I started the company because it was quite by accident, actually. You know, I always thought I would move to New York and be a banker on Wall Street, but I was in college and I wanted a pair of jeans that I could not afford. And I had a scholarship for, for you know, college, but it barely covered my expenses. And so I asked my parents if they would buy me this pair of jeans, knowing they would probably say no. And of course, that's what they said. But I really wanted them. And so I thought, what is something I can do on my own to just make enough money and buy these jeans? And I put an ad on Craigslist to clean one house. And to be honest, I don't really like cleaning. I'm not I'm not a neat freak. I just thought it'd probably be an easy way to make a hundred bucks. And so I put an ad on Craigslist, someone called, I cleaned her house and I bought the jeans. And I thought that was the end of the story, but she called and asked me to come back every week. And then she told her friends about me and then I forgot to take the Craigslist ad down. So I had people, you know, contacting me to clean and I'm thinking, why me? I don't, I'm not even a good cleaner, but I think they just wanted a reliable, hardworking student. And so I cleaned houses to get through school and I had a few friends who really needed to make some money and I hired them and things just slowly grew. And then I met a property manager and it, it all just kind of happened by chance. You know, I, I had these flyers that I advertised my cleaning services and I decided to go into apartment complexes and ask the property managers if I could hang up the flyer, thinking that if someone saw the flyer, maybe they would call for a cleaning. And I just, I walked into this one complex called, it's called the Laurels. And I met Andrew and Andrew, the, the manager of the Laurels said, Hey, I got this opportunity for you. How do you feel about cleaning thousands of apartments this summer? And I said, <laughs> sure. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but that's how it started. It was very innocent. I loved the, um, I, I loved, I don't think, I mean, yeah, I, I read that you, uh, you managed to get 45 people to quit in one day. I think that's got to be like an yeah. all time record. Cause one of the things you talk about like a lot is failure. Um, and actually, you know, how we, a lot of us have just got this idea of failure of, you know, we, we, we look at it, you know, this is a theme that's come up a few times, how failure is seen as such a dirty word, you know, but actually, you know, failure is 
well, uh, how did you get 45 people to quit in one day, firstly? <laughs> yeah, so that was a pretty bad day. Uh, that was the third day of our contract. And, you know, I just didn't know anything about leadership. You hear about leadership, you read about leadership, but you don't really know what it means or what it takes to be a leader until you're in that position. And here I was, you know, 21 years old, and I'm leading 60 of my own peers. You know, they're my age. Some of them are my friends. And I was just put in this position. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't check on any of my team members once that summer. I sat in the air-conditioned clubhouse while they were scrubbing these dirty, filthy college apartments. And on the third day, you know, 45 of them walked into the clubhouse where I was sitting and they said, we don't want to work here anymore. And they just walked out. <laughs> and I'm so glad that happened. At the moment, it, it was devastating and embarrassing. And the, and the thing was, I was a good person. I just didn't know how to be a leader. Yeah. And so that was a really pivotal moment um, for me. And I think it really shaped me as a young leader. I had to really reflect and think, well, what what should I be doing? You know, how should I be acting? And I realized I have to be the first one there and the last one to leave. And I need to, you know, check on my people and help them and make sure they know how important they are to me. And I was able to get all 45 back. I had a meeting with all of them and, and I apologized for the way I was acting and I promised to make some changes. But I think the, I think the point there is how did I know at 21 you know, I could have gone out and found 45 new employees. I could have just quit. But I not only did I not quit, I also went back to those 45 people and said, hey, I need, we need to talk about I, I messed up, you know. And I think back to my childhood. And when I was growing up, we, we were forced to fail. You know, we, my parents let us do things knowing that we would probably fail. But then when we failed, we had to talk about it. Mm. And even if it was very uncomfortable, we had to say what we would have done differently and so I think that being raised that way just made, you know, it made it, it was an instinct. I just knew I had to get these people back and apologize and talk about my failure and keep moving forward. And that's yeah. been a theme in my, in my journey as a leader, for sure. Yeah, because you, you, you talk about like how looking back, you know, I think a couple of years in, you like looking back, you realize that every single time you failed, something great always, you know, happened after that. Oh, yeah. Every time. And I mean, there are so many failures, you know, I... I spent a part of my loan on sushi and sake bombs for my friends and I, you know, but I'm so glad because I learned how important it is to, to manage your money after that, you know? And so I, every time I messed up, I look back and I think, wow, it was a really dumb mistake, but I'm so glad I made it because it made me a better leader, better, you know, person. And it, it shaped me. It, it, it failures always propel you forward if you let them. Mm. And talk also about, you know, you talking about, that the home you grew up in and how like failure you almost encouraged like another thing like curiosity this was a this was a theme and like a word that you know I, I kept hearing again and again you know and it was in your home in particular curiosity was constantly nurtured it was constantly encouraged how like integral do you think that was to just everything that's come on you know your development you know since then having that you know that, that curious curiosity just about everything around you yeah so the TED talk I gave was all about curiosity and it is not on how to retire by the age of 20. I am not retired. I did not retire at the age of 20. I made a list when I was 10, and the list is called how to retire by 20. And the list has things like dog walking and cleaning houses. It's so weird. It's all it's the, the things I'm doing now, I wrote this list when I was 10. And I think, you know, it says a lot about my, my parents. You know, the way, the environment that I grew up in, it was anything that you wanted, 
you know, this, like there isn't a limit, you, you know, you can, you can be whatever it is you want to be. And they just let us run with these crazy ideas. I remember I had a lemonade stand on the weekends. I decided I wanted a retail store. And so my dad built me this wooden stand and I would sit out on the street and sell, you know, random household items. And they just, they encouraged our creativity. And I think that's what I've tried to emulate at Student Made. I really try to create an environment where look, we're, I'm going to empower you to try and I'm going to give you all the tools and the resources that I'm going to believe in you. And this culture is one where we want, we want to see you transcend limits and do things that you don't think are possible. And I think that comes from my parents because that's what they did for my sister and I. Yeah, I love that. And like your dad, you know, he's, he's a lawyer. Um, and he actually, he would actually turn down cases which could have made him huge huge amounts of money simply because they didn't interest him and he encouraged you guys to only like invest your time and energy into things that you're truly excited about i love that i think that's there's we've had about a couple of interviews with just some amazing parenting advice and i'm like i'm literally i'm just i'm clocking these ones for when i've got kids i'm like shit i've got to do that i gotta do that because i just think what an amazing sort of um yeah like role model because you know by so many things we have we, we're often told we've got to just you know, do this or do that just to, you know, in, do, get work experience to stuff we're not necessarily interested in going down careers, you know, and hey, just, you know, if, 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 you're not, if you're not interested, you're not excited by something, then forget about it and find that things which does excite you. And I, I just, I love that. I just, that wasn't so much a question, more that I got to clock that to myself. But yeah, what a, what a cool role yeah. model. Well, I turned down that job in finance that had a great salary. And I think it's because I watched, like you said, I watched my dad you know, he's a lawyer, but he doesn't make a ton of money. He chooses cases that are interesting to him. He specializes in land use law. That's his thing. He loves it. But he's so happy and fulfilled. And I always thought, man, I want that in my life. And I chose cleaning. And everyone around me said, what are you doing? I mean, out of all the industries in the world to choose, you know, it's not very glamorous, but I was excited about it. And I think another story about my dad um, that's, I don't know if, if, I share too often. So he's an attorney. And when I incorporated my business, I actually had a different name. It was a, it was not a student made. And my dad warned me, he said, before you incorporate, you should make sure that you're the only one, you know, with this name, make sure there isn't another company who owns the rights to this name. Well, sure enough, I didn't do my research and I incorporated and I ended up choosing the name of a major franchise, cleaning franchise. So I infringed on their trademark and I got a cease and desist letter from an attorney and they were, you know, telling me that I had to throw away everything I had with my logo on it. And I had just spent my whole business loan on getting all of these, you know, supplies with our logo on it. So I had to throw away everything, everything that I'd worked so hard to get with that loan at such a young age. Well, I later found that my dad had already, he knew I was infringing on someone's trademark. And so, you know, how hard is it as a parent to stomach that, to watch your child make, it was a $10,000 mistake, you know, after I'd worked so hard to get that loan, now I'm back at negative 10,000, but what a lesson, you know, I always do my research now. And so I think from, from that, I've learned, I was very angry when I found out, you know, I was very angry at my dad, but now I'm so thankful and I'm, and I'm so grateful that my parents had the courage to, to let my sister and I fail like that. And I try to do that in our culture at Student Made because I, something I really see with millennials, which is the age group that we mainly employ, millennials are 18 to 34 right now, uh, I see this lack of confidence. And it's because they haven't failed really on their own. You know, there's always been someone there helping them up. You know, we grew up, I'm a, I'm a millennial, we're a generation of helicopter parenting. 
And a lot of times the, the first time they're failing is at work. And so we create an environment that's safe for failure. We push failure, we encourage it. We let them make mistakes knowing that they're making mistakes and we have to stomach that and watch that. But every, with every mistake, you know, they become more confident in themselves because that's the only way you learn self-confidence and independence is when you fall down by yourself and you have to get up by yourself. So I really think that our culture, um, it, it's, you know, you wouldn't think a culture of failure is a good thing, but I, I believe that it's a great thing because our people become independent, successful young adults because of that culture. Yeah, I mean, the largest, I think you said the largest obstacle getting in the way of us being successful is our complete lack of independence and through failing yeah. and then being on the floor and actually having to get up on our own two feet and stand up again. You know, that builds that sort of, um, you know, that, you know, you almost become like a bit bulletproof, you know, you've got to like, fail to fail. And then actually, you know, you, you realize actually, you know what, like, I'm fine. You, know, you can actually deal with it. You know, you're not, you don't have to be wrapped in cotton wool. You know, you can actually, yeah, okay, it hurts, but then you get up and it's, you're stronger for it. So I totally, I right. totally agree with that. So with with sort of um growing up in an environment where yeah like you said like you're you're kind of encouraged and you're nurtured like if a lot of our listeners i'm sure you know maybe then you know some of them haven't grown up in those environments and um you know maybe have holding or walking around with a load of like limiting beliefs holding them back from pursuing their dreams what kind of advice would you kind of give those kind of people no i think that it's really important I, th- I think who you surround yourself with is so important. Yeah. And I think that even if you grew up in a home that wasn't like the home I grew up in, if you can find people who you admire, people who, you know, the life they have is the life that you want to have and surround yourself with those people because those people usually are the kind of people who are giving, who, who want to help, who, you know, want to build others up because, you know, I, I know certainly the people in my life who are successful, who have, fulfilled lives. They want to show others how to have that kind of life. And I read somewhere, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So who are you spending your time with? And one thing I think I did is I always surrounded myself with people who I could learn from. Now, these weren't always people in my industry. I actually didn't really know many people in my industry. But if I found someone who I really admired or really thought, well, I could learn a lot from that person. I I put myself in that environment. And it was very uncomfortable and it was very awkward. And, you know, you can't just go up to somebody and ask, can you be my mentor? You know, but you can start to build that relationship. And so I would, I would ask, you know, if we could meet for coffee and sometimes I would get denied time after time after time, but with enough persistence, you know, with enough persistence, the person will meet you for coffee. And I would just ask questions and I would, I was like a sponge. And I think they saw that I was truly um, interested and truly wanted to learn. And so these people would, you know, take me under their wing and they would, they would help me because my age, regardless of the household I grew up in, my age was a huge obstacle. It still is a huge obstacle. You know, it doesn't matter the kind of house I grew up in. When I walk into a room, a, a board meeting, and I am in my early twenties and everyone else in the room is at least double my age. You know, they're all thinking, why are you in here? Yeah. And I have to, I had to prove, you know, why I should be sitting at the table and it was really hard. So I read a lot of books. I tried to read two books a month and I tried to purposely put myself in situations that were uncomfortable so that I would grow so that I would, you know, step outside of my comfort zone. That's where the the learning and growth happens. And then I surrounded myself with people who I admired and I could learn from. And I think anyone can do that regardless of how you grew up or what baggage you're carrying. It's harder, you know, the the more uh, limiting beliefs that you have, but you're your own obstacle. You know, if you really want this life, then, 
if you want to be fulfilled and happy in the work that you do and go to bed each night with a smile, knowing that you're contributing to the world the way that you want to be, then you have to push yourself to get outside of your, your comfort zone because that's the only place it's going to happen. Yeah, I totally, I totally, I totally agree with all of that. Yeah, absolutely. You can come, you can come just make a decision, decide, you know, what kind of life you want and then, you know, just figure out a way to do it. Like, like you said, books, mentors, surrounding yourself in a white environment, like all those things. Like, yeah, fantastic advice. And another thing, when it comes to work, career, relationships, a lot of these things take time and patience. And we're living in a world at the moment, even more so, where people expect sort of instant gratification. What do you feel are the dangers of this? Yeah, so I see this a lot, especially with millennials, because everything in our life has been so instant. You know, we want to watch a movie, we can just log on and watch it. We want to get in touch with someone, we can send a text and there you go. But we need to learn patience because a lot of the things that we want in our life take patience. And relationships are one of those things. And I think I think this idea of networking is, you know, you, you go into this thinking, well, what can this person do for me? And, you know, if I meet this person, how long will it take for this person to, to you know, help me? But really, we need to be thinking, what can I do to help this person? You know, what can I, how can I connect other people together? You know, so I've always gone into relationships thinking, how can I help this person? How can I introduce this person to someone who might be able to help them? And sometimes you don't get anything from that relationship. And that's okay. You know, but then other times that relationship, you know, they, someone in that, they'll pay it forward back to you in a way that you can't even imagine. And that's happened to me so many times and years later. And I think it, I think after you see it a time or two, you realize that you need patience, but it's definitely very hard for millennials. So in our, in our business, um, in our culture, we really try to push the human, you know, face-to-face interaction and relationship building. We don't hide behind our cell phones. We teach a communications class to all of our students. And in the class, they learn that words are only 10% of communication. So when you're sending a text, you're only giving 10%. And an emoji does not count <laughs> as you know, a tone of voice. So we, even our leadership team, you know, when we have feedback to give or when we need to talk to a team member, we always try to do it face-to-face or worst case on the phone versus sending a text because you've got to, you've got to, you know, it's almost like technology is great. We, you know, we, it's, but it shaped us. And some of the ways it shaped us are a little negative. And I think it's taken the human, you know, interaction piece away. And so we're trying to build that back into our culture. Amazing. <laughs> just saying, just before we started, I had the choice between uh, like a fan, really loud and annoying background noise, or no fan. And like I mentioned, I'm in Sri Lanka, so sorry for just, just being so. so I, just, <laughs> I was really casually yeah. just being like, just trying to wipe my head, being like, I'm so hot. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. 60 degrees outside. Yeah. Last but not least, coming last, a couple of speed round questions to finish off. What does a fulfilled life mean to you? I think I think a fulfilled life is you know. I don't think it's waking up every single day excited to go to work because I will tell you there are some days I live a fulfilled life and there are some days that I don't want to work or I'm aggravated by the work I do or I'm frustrated. That is normal. You know, that's a normal feeling, I think. But I think it, I think having a clear idea of who you are and why you're here and what it is that you're contributing, that has to be very clear. Mm. And, and then having the chance to do that. And I think, but I think it takes a lot of self-discovery. 
you know, I think you have to try a lot of things and a lot of, you have to be in a lot of different environments to figure out this is my stupid human trick. This is why I was put on this world, you know, to do this. And I realize mine is creating an environment that empowers people to try so that they can transcend limits. And it doesn't just mean student made, you know, I've done this in other companies that I've, you know, the technology company that you mentioned, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. These are all vehicles, you know, the cleaning company, the technology company, the speaking, these are all vehicles, but knowing that, that why that, that deep sense of purpose really makes it so that, you know, what you're doing here. And I think so many people wander through life and they don't really know what it is they're contributing or why they're here. And I think that that self-confusion leads to an unfulfilled life because you know, there's something more and you just don't know what it is. Yeah. So I suggest, um, one of, you know, a good friend of mine, one of my favorite books, start Simon with why. Sinek. Yeah. And he has when a you, when you're talking about, when you're talking about why a second ago, Sonny's thinking like such a fantastic yeah. book, isn't it? Yes, we teach why discovery to our students. It's really important because that's like your compass. It leads you, you know, to things and and you make decisions based on this thing. And, you know, and that's how you live a life where you go to bed at night thinking, I'm doing what I should be doing. I'm contributing in the way that I want to be contributing. So I think that's what it means. Fantastic. And what is one thing all our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? I think two things. I think reading is so important. I think that you have to constantly be learning and I, I still try to read one book a month. So if I think if you can read one book a month, you know, you, you're going to really grow and and learn and become everything you, you know, you have a better chance of becoming everything you want to be. The second thing I think is when it comes to failure, when it comes to the limiting self beliefs that we have, what I try to do is think what's the worst thing that could happen. And I try to imagine the worst case scenario and I wrap my head around that. And then I'm not afraid of that anymore because I've already thought of the worst thing that could happen and kind of how I would deal with it. And that allows me to push forward and that fear goes away. So read, grow, you know, the, the minute you stop growing, I believe is the minute you start dying. And that sounds morbid, but that's what I believe. And the second thing is when you have that limiting belief, stop for a minute and think, why am, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Why, why am I so afraid of this? Wrap your head around that. And then it's not so scary and you can move forward. Fantastic. And which book would you say has had the biggest impact in your life? So I would, one of my, I love start with why one of my favorite books, highly recommend yeah. it, but delivering happiness, the story of Zappos is a book that I read when I was in college that really shaped the culture of student made. It's what led to our core values. And so that book just has a special place in my heart because it, you know, it shapes so much of, of the company that, that we have, but great book about how Zappos built their company and built the culture uh, around their people. Last but not least, how can people stay in touch, find out more about you and your work? Uh, well, I have a website. It's just kristenhadid.com or you can go to studentmade.com and have a blog. And yeah, we're, we're doing some exciting things. The book will be out in 2017, so we're excited to share our story and our, our message with the world. Kristen, thank you so much. This has been so fun talking to you. From Thanks. the absolute sauna that is Sri Lanka, I can now like just I can just jump in like an ice bath or something. But yeah. like... <laughs>